Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inner Peace Podcast, episode number one. The first 12 episodes of this podcast make up what I call the inner peace practice. It's something I've developed for folks to change their lifestyle so they can attain, if you will, or realize inner peace. Inner peace is the most important thing you'll ever have in your life. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to have anxiety. You don't have to be bipolar. These are all things that can be cured. And this is a way to do it. I encourage you, take these 12 episodes, the first 12 episodes, very serious. Listen to one a day, as close to one a day as possible. Maybe even listen to them more than once. Memorize the inner peace practice. There's nine C's. It started at seven and then it became nine because this podcast helped me write the book as I was going. So there's nine C's and there's three sections. There's meditation, there's purification, and there's love. The meditation has to do with your inner life. Love has to do with your outer life. And purification has to do with dissolving the ego This is all structured in a very easy way to understand. I'm trying to use my gift of organization and metaphors and whatnot to teach you something that the Western world just isn't very familiar with. Now, the Eastern world, they got a better grip on this. But here in the Western world, you know, everything's go, 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 you know, chase, chase, chase. Achieve, achieve, achieve. And so, you know, we can still achieve things, but your inner life, your inner peace is more important. Your inner life will affect your outer life, but your outer life doesn't affect your inner life. You get it? So if you're suffering, I'm just here to say, look, you don't have to. You don't have to suffer. Listen to these twelve, these first 12 episodes as close to every day as possible. Read the book when it comes out. Be on top of this. Adopt this practice. If you're a Christian, you can continue being a Christian. If you're Jewish, you can continue being Jewish. If you're atheist, you can continue being atheist. It doesn't matter. This is a practice. It's just a practice. It's a lifestyle change that you will have to make. And it will be worth it. Because in, in only a few months, you can drastically change your life. You'll start getting it, just like I did over the years. So I'm here to share my experiences, okay? In this episode, in just a few minutes, I'm going to play a seminar that I gave at the Bridge Healing and Art Center. 
uh, back in May. It was May 8th, I believe, 2019, uh, in front of a nice crowd of about 50 or so people. And this is, this was my revealing of the inner peace practice. And it's actually evolved since then. It's, it, it keeps getting refined. It's finally, you know, this is how I create. This is how I create. And I, I got a whiteboard. <laughs> and uh, you're not going to be able to see the whiteboard because this is audio, obviously. But there is, the video is on YouTube. But, so I'm going to play you the recording of this seminar. And this will be the foundation. And then the next episode, we'll get into the first part of the inner peace practice, which it will be, they all begin with C's. I did that purposely so that you can remember all nine C's. So there's a method to this, okay? And it's all about these first 12 episodes. Everything past the first 12 episodes is all bonus. Maybe some interviews, maybe some topics, but it's really all about these 12 episodes, okay? There's a method to all this. Even the way that I'm speaking to you, because I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. And I want you to be relaxed. Because life isn't as serious as you think that it is. It's all a dream. <laughs> and uh, you'll pick that up as we go. So anyway, here's a seminar. Uh, there's a baby crying in the beginning for the first five minutes, but I think it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, but the baby does leave eventually. Yeah, enjoy and relax. This king, he had a council. And the council was saying that you need to go get in touch with the people. King was like, all right, what do you want me to do? Well, let's dress you up in disguise and let's send you out to the city. So the king went out to the city. Nobody recognized him. He's checking out all the people. And he sees this guy underneath the trees meditating. He's wearing like one cloth. He's got one little bowl. He's just sitting there. And people are walking up to him, and they're asking for advice. And he's giving a little bit of advice. And they put a little bit of food in the bowl. And the king's like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? He was mesmerized. He's never seen anything like it. So he walks up to the guy, and he says, excuse me, what are you doing here? Don't you have a home? And the guy's like, no, sir, I do not have a home. I wander around. And he's like, well, well, what do you eat? So I eat whatever people give me. A little rice here, a little beans here, some fruit, little vegetables, whatever. He's like, what? how do you survive? He's like, well, I only eat once a day. You know? Well, what about your clothes? One cloth is OK. He says, well, how do, you, how do you live like this? He says, well, sir, I, I found the treasure. He says, what treasure? What are you talking about? He says, yeah, I found the treasure inside me. The king is like, this must be a holy man. This has got to be a holy man. He takes off his disguise. He says, sir, I am the king of the whole kingdom. I want you to come to my palace. Come to my palace. And I want you 
to be my personal advisor because I need more spirituality in my life. Please, come. And the holy man says, sure, why not? Off to the palace he goes. Within a few days, the king can't believe what he's seeing. He's not wearing a rag anymore. He's wearing a bunch of nice clothes. He's swimming in the pool. He's eating a whole bunch of food, not just a little bit of rice and a little bit of apples. He's eating a bunch of food at the buffet. He's living nice. He even caught the guy having sexual relations with one of his workers. Ancient times. The king is like, he conned me. He had to con me. This guy conned me. There's no way he's a holy man. There's no way. No way. So he says, a few days in, he says, can, can we talk? Can we talk? And the holy man comes over and he says, I think I know what you want to talk about. You think that I conned you, don't you? And he says, well, I, I, what am I supposed to think? You know, you're some holy man underneath the tree with one bowl. Now you're in here living lavishly. I mean, what's going on here? He says, you know what, your majesty? Thank you for your hospitality. I'm going to leave now. And he leaves. And the king's like, well, wait, wait. Well, I, the king doesn't know. He's confused. He doesn't know. And the holy man walks out. A month later, the king goes back into the city, finds the same man under the same tree doing the same thing. And he comes up to him, and he's like, he's like well, what, are you, what are you doing? You're, you're really back here? He says, yes, of course. I told you I found the treasure. The treasure? You found the treasure? Yeah, I found the treasure. I want you to come back and be my spiritual advisor. I want you to teach me the biggest lessons that you know, that you have, all your knowledge. And he looks up at, he says, Your Majesty, I already taught you. I already taught you the biggest lessons. I found the treasure. But how do you go from luxury to homeless? He says, it doesn't matter. The moral of the story is that once you find your treasure, which I call inner peace, it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter how tall you are, doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter what car you drive, it just doesn't matter. Because when, once you attain this, you're gold. There's a famous novel that's similar, it's called The Alchemist. Anyone ever heard of it? The Treasure, right? The treasure, you guys remember that book? I recommend reading it with new eyes, with new eyes. Once you attain inner peace, you're good. And the thing is, is the average person doesn't have this inner peace. The average person is on a roller coaster ride. Up, down, up, down, happy, sad. 
angry, scared, up and down, up and down. You're up and down so many times you want to throw up. How does this happen? I'm about to pass a piece of wisdom on to you right now that most people don't know or understand. You have two lives. Two lives? What are you talking about? I only got one life. What are you talking about? You have two lives. You have your inner life and your outer life. Your inner life and your outer life. Let me show you. Okay? Inner, outer, and it's connected by your breathing. Now, the problem is, is we've been programmed by society to only care about this. You can't even watch a football game without being told what to eat and what to drink. Can't. Can't do it. Hard to live in America not having your kids into Santa Claus. They tell us what to do. To social engineering. When I was a teenager, I think I was a teenager, there was a very popular television show called ER. You guys remember ER? Before George Clooney was George Clooney. I remember watching that show and being like, oh, this is a good show, this is a good show, you know? And the, the, the finale was like a big deal. Oh my gosh, the end is coming. And then all of a sudden, there's a new show called Chicago Hope. I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with, with the doctor show. Why is there another doctor show? And Chicago Hope's not on the air anymore, and there's another show. There is never not a doctor or police show on television. Never. It doesn't happen. They're programming you to look at them as authority figures. It's just part of the deal. I'm just using these examples just to show you how much you're influenced and you don't even really know. It's like we're being hypnotized almost. So we don't know about this. We don't know about this. This this is formless. There's oxygen in this room right now. You can't see it. You can't see it. This is based on forms, including your body, your body, you can see your body, you can see it until you put it underneath the microscope, but for now you can see it. You actually have a form, the chair you're sitting on is a form, the car that you came here in is a form, but it's not this. The inner is timeless. The outer is all about time. 
Now, come on now. How many of you looked at your clock today? Six o'clock is coming. I don't want Kevin to be mad at me. Six o'clock is coming. And tomorrow, you're going to be like, what time is it? I got to go to work. I got to go. Oh my God, what if I'm late? What's going to happen? Clock time, they call it. Clock time. Well, I got news for you. There's no time in the inner. Why? Because time was invented. There's no such thing as time. The squirrels and the birds have no idea what 6 p.m. means. Right? That was like my hallelujah right there. <laughs> the birds and the squirrels, they don't know what 6 p.m. is. They know sun up, sun down, which is what our, you know, our ancestors knew long before there was clocks. I love, this is my favorite. The inner is wordless. I hate, this is something nobody thinks about, but the human language was invented. <laughs> that little baby that just left the room don't know what the heck I'm saying. <laughs> language is man-made. It's not natural. Words slash thinking is part of the outer, your outer life. Even though you think on the inside, it's still your outer because you're speaking a language. Does anyone in this room, when they think, you think in French? <laughs> Why, except we would. Why not? Because you know English. And if there's any bilingual folks in here, Maybe your thoughts are Spanish, right? Are your thoughts, Eileen, hi. Are your thoughts Spanish or English? Spanish. <laughs> Good enough. Point made. That's all that matters. If you didn't know language, what would you think about? You ever see a little baby? Big old eyes, it's just looking at you like, bobbling head. <laughs> it has no idea what you're saying. <laughs> you're like, you're like, hi, are you ready to go to the mall? And the baby's just like, I don't know what you're saying, but cool, let's go. This is a significant piece of wisdom because thoughts is the whole reason you're even in this room right now. If it wasn't for your thoughts, you would have no reason to be here. <laughs> if a baby sees a red rose, it acknowledges the red rose. It's like, oh, wow. But it doesn't say, look at the beautiful red rose. It doesn't know that language. It doesn't know what beautiful means. It doesn't know what a rose means. It just looks at the rose. <gasps> right? You ever put a, a flower or a toy in front of the baby? It's just like, but not you. 
When you see a rose, you go, oh, look at the beautiful rose. Well, you just ruined it. <laughs> because you didn't feel it, you spoke it. You didn't feel it, you spoke it. The baby felt it. The baby actually acknowledged that rose as something truly beautiful. But you ruined it. Every day, you go out for a walk, oh, look at the tree, in your head. You don't even have to speak it. You're like, oh, look at the tree. Big tree, must have been there for 500 years. It's huge. <laughs> so now you're a color commentator for football or something. You're just analyzing everything. You probably, some of you probably got hit in traffic today. You probably, oh, the traffic, and uh, why do they have to do this? And why didn't they do it at 6.30? Why 6 o'clock? Because that was the revelation I had today. We need to do 6.30, not 6. Your inner is wordless. There's no language. If you met a blind man who's been blind his whole life, and he says, what color is the grass? You say, well, sir, the grass is green. Well, what's green? Can you describe it? No. You can try. Well, green, um, well, it's kind of like Kermit the Frog. Well, what's Kermit the Frog? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know what to tell you, dude. You're out of luck. Uh, I don't know how to describe green to you. He can feel it with his hands, though. Wordless words and thinking. This is the big one. Your inner is egoless, and your outer is ego. All right, we got to spend a little time on this because people don't know what ego is. It's a watered-down word. People think it means cocky or... Arrogant, right? Aaron Rodgers is his big ego. Kobe Bryant, I can't stand him. His ego is through the roof. That's, that's what people, that's how people view ego. Is somebody that's, you know, bravado or whatever. Ego is identity. plus importance, plus control. So let's start with identity. So identity, my name is Kevin, I'm five foot nine, from East Hartford, Connecticut. I used to be on the radio. I have a PhD now. I don't know, I eat fruit. I do some health stuff. Uh, one time at band camp, I do have a, I have a real band camp story, I do. A real story at 13. <laughs> I'll spare you. And, you know, I like the New York four-time champion football giants. And, uh, well, I like doing public speaking. And boom. And there's my identity. Just like that. And each and every one of you could stand up here and give your own story. Everyone's got a story. You could tell me things that happened to you when you were 14. It might blow the room away. Like, wow, that happened to you? Oh my gosh, wow, that's horrible. Or, wow, really? 
you know, like good stuff, bad stuff, you know, all this stuff. This is our identity. Who we think that we are. I work with a, a lot of um, older sick people that are dying in hospice, and they have a hard time dealing with their identity being taken away. So they know that they're dying, and <laughs> the process of the ego is actually hurting more than the actual disease or whatever it is they have, because their identity is being vanished. It's almost like Back to the Future. You remember when the, the picture was fade away? Something too young for Back to the Future? I don't know. I'm showing my age. The identity would fade away. Think about like witness protection, like someone in the mafia. Let's witness protection. Let's put him in Nebraska. His new name is, you know, Joe. And, uh, you know, he'll change his hair color and blah, blah, blah. New identity. Importance. People love to feel important. You don't believe me? Go to the grocery store tomorrow and walk up to a stranger and say, hey, I just want to let you know that you have beautiful eyes. That's all. And just walk away. They're going to go home so important. <laughs> so important. So important. I do it with the married women all the time. <laughs> just trying to help out the husbands. Because they go home like, my eyes are nice. They're feeling good. Next thing you know, they're putting their favorite lotion on. Everyone wants to feel important. Control. A therapist once told me, the happiest day of your life is the day you get your driver's license. And the most horrible day of your life is the day they take it away. You get that driver's license, you're 16, 17, you're just like, oh, you're just feeling like the man or the woman. You're on the road, you're like, I can't believe this. I got my freedom and I got a back seat. There's all sorts of stuff I could do with it. <laughs> I'm on the road, I'm going, I can go anywhere I want. And then in your 70s, 80s, whatever your eyesight goes or whatever it is, and they say, the doctor says, I'm sorry, you can't drive anymore. And you're like, oh my gosh, what do you mean I can't drive anymore? I have to call my son to go to the, my doctor's appointments, and what do you mean? I just wanted to go get a sandwich at Friendly's. I can't go? Oh my gosh. It's a horrible experience for older folks. Horrible. The end. The end. Control. We like to be in control. What happens when we stop being in control? We, we, don't, we don't feel too good. Same thing with possession. People like to possess. They like to possess. New car, new house, four girlfriends, whatever it is. People just like to collect and possess, whatever it is, you know? More and more and more and more. It's mine, 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 mine. So the ego is very significant to everything that I'm showing you today. It's a very important piece of wisdom uh, that you'll need in order to understand the next hour or whatever. Uh, this ego 
is the root cause of just about all your issues. And it dictates our thoughts. Now, going back to how I started with it, where you know, most people think it's more arrogant, like Michael Jordan has a big ego, you know, something like that. There's a flip side to it. There's another side to that coin. People that are depressed and sad also have the ego because they're sad that they don't feel important and they're sad that their identity isn't where they want it to be. And they're losing control. So the depressed person also is possessing an ego. I wanted to be a doctor and now, you know, I'm just a housewife with 17 kids living in a cabin and I, I'm not going to make it. I'm 45. There's no way to switch careers. Ah! Identity. Identity. Importance. Dad never said he was proud of you. Dad never said he was proud of you. What's that even really mean? It means he made you feel unimportant. But don't worry, hurt people hurt people. So, but people take it the other way. People take it the other way. They take it as, screw him. How can he not say he's proud of me? I accomplished this, I accomplished that, I did this, I did that, I did it better than him. How can he not give me any credit? But the ego lives off of recognition. It lives off of recognition. Give me the recognition. Give me the recognition. Or if you don't get the recognition, it's... <sighs> the ego is that salesman in your head. It's just a salesman in your head. Just making your thoughts go... Yeah, it's a real thing. Don't believe me? Any married people in here or people in a relationship? Ladies, tell your man that he's the best you've ever had <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> tell him. And he watch a little pep in his step. Like, all right. I mean, I already knew it, but you know. You know. I do some good cooking, you know. Watch what happens. Put a little battery in his back. When you know how the ego works, you can manipulate people. I'm not saying go do that. I'm just... <laughs> Bill Clinton, when he was running for office, he'd give a compliment to everyone he ran into. Hello, nice to, I love your tie. Your tie is awesome. On to the next person. Hello, beautiful eyes. You have beautiful eyes. Oh, look at the baby. It's so beautiful, even though he's like, the baby is, ugh. <laughs> when you know how the ego works, you can use it to your advantage. But we're not here to use it to our advantage. We're here to dissolve it. Because when you dissolve it, it won't matter anymore. That's the inner. That's the inner. Circumstance. I almost forgot circumstance. Circumstance. Where you live, what your job is, 
who you're married to, what, what you look like. That's your circumstance. Circumstances like the weather, it's always going to change. It's always going to change. You might be rich with seven Rolls Royces, and then one day, a hurricane comes. Woof! Gone with the wind. Now what? Circumstance changes. You're married, boom, divorced. Circumstance changes. You're healthy, boom, illness. Circumstance changes. How do you deal with it? What do you do? You think it's not going to change? It's going to change. I promise you it's going to change. I don't even know how to see in the future, and I'm telling you it's going to change. And we know it changes because we know the timeline of our, our life, right? So ego is, is sort of engineered. When we're born, we're the baby. We already spoke about the baby. You're pure. You don't have any thoughts. You're just pure, pure. Then you get to be about two years old, and the ego starts forming. And now you're like, I want McDonald's. <laughs> no, I'm not going. What are you going to do about it? The kid will challenge you, start throwing things in the grocery store. No. What you going to do about it? What's up? Hit me. I'm calling the cops. Too soon. <laughs> Wrong era. <laughs> so that ego starts forming. That ego starts forming. About eight years old, um, our intelligence gets more, gets higher. This is when children are able to start recognizing things. They start knowing what marketing is. So around the time they stop caring about Santa Claus and you know they start they don't want to hug mom anymore they want they want to go play with their friends and it's it's getting there this is why with eat the sunlight we're doing eight eight and under eight and under so then something crazy happens a child gets to be about 13 years old this is puberty okay and guess what it's on. <laughs> Game is on. You can't control a teenager. You think you can. You're going to turn into a dictator, and it's going to get ugly. They'll do whatever they want, when they want. The ego has been formed. 13 years old. Puberty hits, and now they're under all sorts of pressure. Maybe they have acne. Maybe there's a bully at school. And then just to make it worse, the guidance counselor calls them in around 15, 16 years old and says, tell me, son, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? <laughs> rest of my life? I just want to get my license. <laughs> I want to smoke some weed. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I don't know what you're talking about. 
Very few 15, 16 year olds know what they want to do for a career. I knew what I wanted to do and I switched it at 30. So that gives you any indication of how life changes. I knew I wanted to be on radio or television right there, right at 16, right there. But it's very rare. It's very rare. Kids don't know what they want to do, and they probably won't until they're 30. So it's kind of a weird system. But the ego is there, and now they got to go into high school, and they got to figure out this identity thing, and they got to figure out this importance thing, and they got to figure out this control thing, and it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot. If you have a teenager, have some compassion because it's a lot. You don't know what's going on inside their head because they know a language. So they're blah, 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 blah. And suicide rates have gone through the roof. So what's happening there? All of a sudden, you might have a 16-year-old who's dealing with an identity problem or an importance problem or a control problem. You know, they may not talk to you. You know, I'm not going to pick, pick up the phone and call 211. So the, the identity is formed, and then life starts. And around 30 years old, we usually wake up a little bit. It's almost like a train comes, and you got an option to pick, get on the train or not. And a lot of people don't wake up. For me, it happened at 31 uh, due to a dark time. And when a dark time comes, you end up in a place of surrender. And once you surrender, that's when things change. But if you don't surrender, then you just keep going on the roller coaster. <laughs> All right, next thing you know, you're 50, you're 60, and then now you're in the nursing home. Someone like me comes to visit you, and you're 80 years old, you're miserable. I met a lady today suffering from dementia. Uh, she had toys with her. She said, these are my toys. These are my toys, and my dad's coming to pick me up. So yeah, your dad's not coming to pick you up. I don't say that, but you know, it, you know, you play along. But you, and she was mad. She's mad at all her roommates. She's like, they're all idiots, and I don't want to listen to them anymore. And this woman's really mad. You want to be mad? 80 years old in the home? Last one. Your inner life is genderless. You're not a male or a female. It's just genderless. It's invisible. How can it be, male or female? Your outer life, obviously, you're a male or female. Allow me to give you a metaphor. Think of an ice cube. Not the wrapper, the real ice cube. <laughs> The ice cube was formed in an ice tray. That could represent your parents, your household growing up. And it was also formed by the freezer. The freezer represents your society, what you see on television, your culture, you know, Halloween, you know, everything. The whole tradition of being an American. And the tray and the freezer come together and they form an ice cube. Now, it could have been anything you want. It could have been a triangle. It could have been a stick figure, but it was a nice cube. It'll take any form, any form you want it to. Your whole life, you think you're an ice cube. I'm an ice cube. 
And then all of a sudden, when someone takes you out and puts you on the kitchen counter, uh-oh. In 30 minutes, you melt. I'm melting, I'm melting. It's like the Wizard of Oz. I'm melting. Now, you're water. You just went from an ice cube to water. Take it a step further. Turn the temperature up a little. Give it some time. The water dissipates into the air. Well, look at that. Now it's formless. Because the whole time it was just oxygen and hydrogen, H2O. So that ice cube that you thought you were <laughs> for all those years, you were really just hydrogen and oxygen. <laughs> and now you can go back up. And later on you'll become rain, go into a spring river, and eventually someone will pick you up and make another ice cube. Congratulations. And that's life. Is everybody okay? Anybody want to throw up on themselves? <laughs> this ain't the circus. This is uh, some deep stuff here. And uh, I want to do just a little, little quick, quick little game. On the count of three, I want everyone in this room to say the street that they live on, but only in your head. Only in your head, not out loud, okay? One, two, three. Okay. Raise your hand if you heard it. You heard it? You didn't hear the street that you live on? Some of you just don't want to admit you have a voice in your head. You're like, I don't know if this is a trick. There's a camera here. Ah, they ain't sending me to the bin. That voice is your outer. That's your thinking. But how would you hear it? How would you hear it without ears? How would you just hear the voice without ears? Oh, we're getting somewhere. Aha. Look, that's your inner. Your inner is based on vibes, intuition, feelings. Your outer is five senses. You can taste the food, you can hear the birds, all that. There's no five senses, your inner. Because your five senses, your five senses is your hearing, but you didn't hear the voice. So how is it possible? You did not hear the voice with your actual ear, right? So I just wanted to prove to you there was an inner, that's all. <laughs> Nobody talks about this. This should be in like high school, something. Nope. They don't want to teach it. People care more about their outer world than their inner world, and that, that's one of the problems. If people didn't, if people cared more about their inner world, then there wouldn't be gym memberships. <laughs> Why do you go to the gym for? Anybody know who Herschel Walker is? Herschel Walker is like 60 years old, ripped to shreds, 
The man's been doing pull-ups and sit-ups and push-ups his whole life. Never hit the gym. So this is like the inner voice example in a way because I just want to show you that you don't need a gym membership. You can actually get it done right there at home. But people like to go to the gym. They want to feel good. They want to feel good. They want that stimulation, and they want to look at all the other people. They want look at his biceps. Okay, I got to work a little harder. I got to work a little harder. Okay. All right. I'm going to get that P90X stuff, and I'm, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. Uh, we're in a fitness revolution right now. People are tearing up their kidneys. I'm not, here, I'm, not here to, I'm not here to talk health, but you know, people are tearing up their kidneys, doing all sorts of crazy athletic stuff. Because um, if your kidneys aren't working, then the acids don't have anywhere to go. It just, it's like an exit being closed off. Um, so yeah, so that's why we got a gym. People care about their outer. What do I look like? People care about what they look like when really, if you put yourself underneath the microscope, you don't look like yourself anymore. In fact, you're, you're made up of cells. In school, I studied cellular, cellular health. I know about the cells, the nucleus, the DNA. It's all there. And what happens if you go down further? The cells become molecules. And molecules become atoms. And atoms become particles, electrons, protons. You mean I'm really electricity? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, that's what science says. Put it underneath the microscope. It doesn't lie. You're electricity. What's the most electric food on the earth? Group of food? Fruit. 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 Keep lighting your electricity with fruit. But that's another seminar for another day. <laughs> or you can go down the rabbit hole of my YouTube videos and get, or my books and get all that. But yeah, your electricity. Kind of, kind of like the uh, the ice cube is hydrogen and oxygen, invisible. You live in a temporary, beautiful, mysterious experience. People don't understand that. Your life is temporary. You're gonna die. I'm sorry to inform you. Some of you it will it will be too soon, through a car accident, or through an illness, or. Something falls on your head, you just don't know. You just don't know. Or you go into your 80s. We live to be about 80, give or take, in America. Life expectancy is about 78. We'll just call it 80. And you have to be able to deal with that. And it'll be here before you know it. Just like 40 crept up. I'm about to be 40 in a few months. I crept up fast. I mean, I remember 16. I remember it very clear. It comes fast, 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 fast. Okay? So I don't mean to don't have an anxiety attack. 
relax. Your breath is what connects the two. Now the problem is, again, people don't know their inner. So how do you get to the inner? The goal is to get to the inner. Because once you get to the inner, death isn't a problem. In ancient East, it's called reaching the deathless. The deathless. We got a lot to discuss. But a lot of people, they're so wrapped up in their outer, they're so wrapped up in their outer that in spiritual traditions, it's called the waiting room. We call it the waiting room. People are just waiting to die, and they don't know that they're waiting to die. We call it the waiting room because what do you do when you go to the doctor? First of all, when you go to your physician, it's usually not a, it's not something you skip into, like, hey, doc, how you doing, man? So happy to see you. Give me a hug. How's the kids? It's, it's an uncomfortable thing. You, you, you're in the waiting room. They make you wait. So what do you do? Well, this era, you hop on your phone. You're going through your Instagram. You're reading the, the magazines. Whatever you got to do to get through those 15, 20, 30 minutes. You're just waiting to get into the doctor's office. And that's what people are doing. They're waiting to die. They're on their Instagram. They're on their social media. They're watching television. I go into the nursing homes, and what are they doing? They're doing this. That's all they know how to do. That's all they know how to do is watch TV. That's it. That's all you know how to do. Your favorite show comes on. I remember my grandmother used to watch Murder, She Wrote. Murder, She Wrote was coming on. You guys remember that? Am I dating myself again? Just Murder, She Wrote. Oh, my gosh. And, and uh, Family Feud. Wheel of Fortune. And that's what they do. Just waiting for their kids to come visit them. So yeah, people, people, it, the, new, the new thing over the last few years is living my best life. That's the new catchphrase. I'm living my best life, man. You're on the beach, you're eating lobster. You know, you're, just, you're sitting, you got abs. You're just like, ah, oh, man, give me these pictures. Take these pictures so I can put them on my Instagram. I need to show these people what's up. I'm living my best life. <laughs> and then they go home and they're miserable, miserable. Hiding behind the Instagram. Sometimes I wonder if Dwayne Johnson's really depressed. <laughs> the Instagram king. The Instagram king changed how social media is even done. Now everyone's following his blueprint. And celebrities are using it. And you don't know if they're depressed. You, you have no idea. Take, take away their riches. Take, take it all away. Put them in a one-bedroom apartment. See what happens. An experiment. It's an experiment. Let's put Kim Kardashian in a one-bedroom apartment <laughs> with $1,200 a month. That's all you get. Rent is $800. That gives you $400 extra. What you gonna do, Kim? What you gonna do? You think she'd be depressed? Think she can handle it? I don't know. I don't know her. But this goes back to the original story of the holy man. He was in the palace, and then he went back to the tree, didn't care. And that's where you want to get. 
You want to get to a point, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And if you're in a, if you're in a circumstance that you don't like, sure, you can make some changes to change it. If you're overweight, you can make some changes. If you don't like where you live, you can make some changes. But it's not the end of the world. It, it, it shouldn't get you so down that you're just in the sunken place, as they call it. So the goal is to become liberated. It's a good word. Liberated. Become liberated so that you're not attached to this. Does everybody understand that? A lot to talk about. I haven't even started yet, FYI. <laughs> Swig of pineapple juice for the work in there. Hmm. A lot of appreciation for pineapple juice. Go get you some tomorrow. What I'm going to show you is a practice to get you to where you want to go. In order to do that, I have to show you some things that might not be too pretty. Because why would this be pretty? I mean, why? I said, we're, not, we're not here for a, a movie, right? So let's just say, eh, this could be a little longer. Drawing doesn't have to be on point. This is some dirt, some soil. This represents your real self, not your ego, your real self. And we have the ability, I'm going to draw some flowers here. Doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> All right, let's put a little, let's put a little of these on. Come on, let's make it pretty. Who wants the color? Who want to color? Okay, you got four flowers. Okay, this is the potential that you have inside of you. The first flower is compassion. You cannot teach compassion. You can't teach it. It's a feeling. It's a thing. It's formless. Can't teach it. You ever meet a narcissist? No compassion. You can't teach it. You either got it or you don't. Helping a stray animal, something like that, compassion. Not empathy, there's a difference. Two, joy. This is what a lot of people are lacking, joy. To have an overwhelming joy every single day and to just have that zest about life. Most people don't have it. Maybe they have it for a day and it goes away or there's a big moment in the life, they go to their kid's wedding, right? Lots of joy and then the next day comes, right? 
Number three is equanimity. Equanimity means balancing of the emotions. That means your emotions aren't going like this. It means you're even Steven. Nobody can shake you. And that means in your head too. Don't be fooled. You meet an introverted person, you say something mean to them, and they walk away like it didn't bother them. It might have bothered them. Because your thoughts are an extension. It's all the same thing. Your thoughts and your speaking are the same thing. It's just one's hidden, so you can hide it real well, just like you said the street in, in your head. The next one is gratitude. To have gratitude for everything. Have gratitude for your food, gratitude for your parents. Gratitude. You can't teach it. You can't. People do gratitude challenges on Facebook and stuff, you, and they're trying. They're trying. They're putting a post, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this. You can't. You, you can't. You either, you're either grateful or you're not. Next one is my favorite, which is acceptance. This is the one that the old folks in the home has, have a problem with. This is, you ever meet someone who's mad that it's raining? Like legit? I can't believe it rained today. It's got, this is, this is, this is not fair, man. How can you rain today? No acceptance. The weather's going to change. Acceptance, where you live, what you look like, okay? You look how you look. You don't need to go get some surgery, you know? You know, there's no acceptance. No acceptance. If you buy a BMW and you're just like, and you're just, you're coming out every day and you're rubbing in and you're like, oh, it's so pretty. And then a few weeks later, you come out from Walmart, smashed. Somebody smashed it. Why bug out? Why not just have the acceptance? It happens. If you want to swim in the ocean, you might get bit by a shark. <laughs> Surfers don't care. They're walking around with no legs. <laughs> I just like playing mind games with you. So anyway, they're walking around with no legs. And, and they still somehow get back out there on that board. And they're not mad at the shark at all. They're like, well, it's a shark. It's what they do. Thought I was a seal, came up the sniff a little bit. I lost a leg. You know, it happens. <laughs> Driving a car is sort of the same thing. You want to get out there on the road? There's a whole bunch of stuff that can happen. Accept it. Accept it before it even happens. Last but not least is clarity. Clarity. Not being indecisive. You just, you're clear, man. You just, you know what the deal is. You're clear. You start noticing other people. You start, you meet someone and you're like, oh yeah, that, you know, you just, clarity helps you with creativity. So these six flowers can all blossom inside of you 
but there's a problem. There's a major problem. First of all, we need the sun. Okay? And the sun, we need those sun rays. Right? This is giving new meaning to eat the sunlight here. We need that light. We need that light. So guess what? Uh-oh. We got like this glass house on us. And that's the ego. So now the sun can't get in because guess what? The glass is filthy. First of all, you can't get all the nutrients from the sun through glass. You know that, right? But even worse, it's filthy. What's it filthy with? First of all, fear. Many of you have anxiety. You're just scared. You're just scared. That's fear, anxiety, scared, panic, panic. It's all fear. It's all based on fear. Anger. We talked about being mad at dad, right? You're angry. When you're angry and you repress it, it turns into resentment. And it's just waiting to explode. Waiting. There was a lot of these um, um, high school shooters. They're all repressing anger. They're mad. They're mad. They're mad at something. Bullies or they're just mad. Just waiting to explode. Probably quiet at home. It's like you get in the traffic and you get mad. No acceptance. No acceptance. You're in traffic. What are you going to do? Like, you think yelling is going to part? <laughs> Envy. Envy. We compare. We compare. And it's even worse now with social media. Because now you got to look at the vacation your friend is on. You're thumbing through. You're like, oh. My cousin is in Florida again. Yeah. Well, yeah, her husband makes a lot of money, so that's why she's there. <laughs> oh, you mosey, you mosey on to Dwayne Johnson's page, and you're like, oh, I got to hit the gym. I got to hit the gym. You start comparing. It's, it's, it's this programming. They programmed us to, they programmed us to, to compare to everything, right? And guess what? I bet you if everyone in this room was naked, you would automatically compare. <laughs> Don't judge me. I bet you, I bet you, the women are more open with it. So they're more like, oh my gosh, look at her booty. <laughs> she must do the squats. Yeah, I got to get back on the squats. They'll even walk up to you. You have such a nice booty. <laughs> Women are, I mean, men are more subtle, more subtle, right? It's more like a, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Bruh. You see the game? I saw the game. <laughs> We're, we're, you're, we're comparing. We're comparing. Even though we're just electricity, we're comparing. <laughs> right? And, and we're, we're programmed for it. We're programmed for it, you know? 
you turn on the television every day, Monday to Friday, for the last, I don't know, 50 years, 40 years, at 7 o'clock, it's all celebrity gossip. Right? You ever see that? You go to the grocery store to check out. What's there? George Clooney, divorce. Kim Kardashian, upset at Kanye. It's, it's, it's right there. It's programmed. Well, why? why? Yeah. <laughs> Greed. Greed. Everybody wants more, 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 more. Even when a friend calls you and says, hey, man, I know it's short notice, but can you help me move on Saturday? You ever get that call? And you're like, all right, I really want to borrow his car in three months. So yeah, I'm going to help him move. That's agreed. Because you're supposed to do without anything in return. But we're in this greedy society. More, 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 more. More, 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 more. Also programmed by social media. Here's my favorite. Over, overindulgence. Indulgence basically means pleasure. So anything that makes your five senses feel good, you want more of, more of, more of, more of. It doesn't mean you can't have a glass of wine, but if you're getting drunk every weekend, ah, that's overindulgence. You know, you're, you're, you're putting down the, the bad foods, it's overindulgence. It can happen with alcohol, it can happen with food, it can happen with sex. Everything's overindulgence. Whatever makes you feel good, give me more of that. Because this is like drugs. Give me more of that. We're back to the waiting room. We're back to the waiting room, waiting to die. Give me more of something good. It's like, like a soldier who's injured and he just wants the pain to go away. Doc, give me more morphine. More, more, more. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And uh, and it's you know it's corrupting us slowly but surely. Last one. Overthinking. I think that's a good umbrella term for a whole bunch of other stuff. Assumptions. Right? You ever make assumptions? You ever have a spouse who starts making assumptions with you? You're out and about. You're like, I know you were with him. You were with him, weren't you? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> assumptions. Just assumptions. Like you're a mind reader. Like you really know what's going on because you, you don't have the self-confidence. Overthinking. Compulsive thinking. One thought leads to the other. Some of you in this room right now are just, you're hungry. You're thinking about what's for dinner. And then two minutes later, you're thinking about how much your life sucks. It's like your thought just went, whoa, whoa. How'd that happen? How, how'd that happen? How did this just start with, uh, this just started with brown rice. It started with brown rice. It started with brown rice. And now, 
I'm thinking I need to go do squats at the gym tomorrow. <laughs> Just out of control, like a, like a dog. Anyone have a dog? You know how when it catches the scent, and it's just, you can't tell it nothing. It's just off the leash. Just it's on that scent. That's like your thoughts. It's just all over the place, overthinking, creating more drama for yourself, creating more problems for yourself. So these six things are dirtying the glass so that the sun can't get to the flowers. Is this an all right metaphor? Does this make sense? This is your inner life. This is your outer life. And you just, want, you just need that sunlight. And you just want to get this. And let me tell you, when I met my spiritual mentor, I met him at an ashram in 2012. And within five minutes, I knew I was speaking to somebody very different. Very different. But you don't know until you meet someone. When you meet someone who has attained, and you're like, whoa. You almost feel like you're talking to some sort of alien. Like, whoa. Because the flowers, the reason why the analogy of flowers works is because flowers smell. So when you meet someone, you can smell the fragrance of the compassion, the joy, the equanimity, all that. I, I asked him, I said, how old are you? He's like, I think I'm 39. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> so removed. So removed. Gone. Gone. No identity. And you can smell it, so to speak. Not literally, but you can smell the fragrance of the flowers. And you're like, wow, this person, I want what they got. But in order to get what they got, you got to put in work. Because you've been programmed your whole life to have identity, importance, and control. And to have all this blocking you. So we need to clean this. And if you wanted to go a step further, you'd have to knock the whole thing down. That's some next level stuff. Now we're talking Gautama the Buddha, Jesus the Christ. Now we're talking some high-level stuff. But you can just start with cleaning it. And it'll take you where you want to go. And it'll give you a nice, peaceful death. This seminar is really about dying. <laughs> it was all a bait and switch. Because if you don't know how to die, what's the point? And some of you are going to remember, hopefully many, many, many years from now, you're going to be laying in that bed and you're going to be like, I remember that seminar. And you're either going to say, I wish I listened, or I'm glad I listened. So you can just fade off like that ice cube into the air. Go make some rain. You know? There's this story. For, for those that don't know, China invaded Tibet. And it's, 
they have their own little holocaust that people don't talk about. And um, there's this story of the general, the Chinese general. They invaded an area, and to send a message, they were cutting the Tibetans. They were taking the swords, and they were cutting them like this. They were cutting their bellies open and letting them bleed out. Very, not, not such good death. No morphine. And there was this one monk, the Tibetan monk, yogi, high level, just sitting there in the lotus position, just meditating. And the soldiers are like, what are you doing? Hello, what are you doing? And he looks up and he's like, I'm meditating. We're killing people, what are you doing? They go get the general, and the general comes in, identity, importance, Control. The general comes in. Who do you think you are? Don't you know that I can take my sword and I can split you, your belly open and you'll die on the spot and I won't even blink an eye? The monk looks up at him and he says, Don't you know you can cut my belly and make me bleed out and I won't blink an eye? <laughs> <laughs> That's breaking the glass. That's breaking the glass. That's some high-level stuff. That's some, go ahead, knock yourself out. <laughs> high-level stuff. Okay, let me show you how to get rid of it. We're almost there. Uh, okay, I can, find, I can do some room right here. There's seven cleaners, and this is what I call the inner peace practice, IPP. You done with IPP? Okay. That went over better than the, the, the walking guy with no legs. You ready? You sure you're ready? This is deep. This is all deep stuff. You ready? You ready, Sam? Ready? Number one is having a centered mind. That means you don't think of the past, you don't think of the future. You stay in the center. If you think of the past, that's, you know, that's potential to make you sad because it already happened. You go back to that incident that happened to you when you were 13 or whatever, right? You go to the future. Anxiety people, all you're doing is thinking of the future. That's all you're doing. It sounds so simple, yet it's so hard. All you're doing is thinking of the future with that little voice in your head. What if this? What if that? What about my meeting next Thursday? You have an interview to get a job. You need a job. You start going over the whole meeting in your head. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Centered mind is the anchor to the inner life, is the centered mind. To get rid of the words, because it's just words, remember? It's just words. Bless you. 
So how do you get rid of the words? When you do get rid of the words, it's blissful. You ever zone out? You ever like you're looking at something and you're just you keep staring at it, and all of a sudden it gets blurry, and you're just in la la land, whatever you want to call it, and it feels good because you're not thinking of anything. You're just like you're just staring at it. That's the centered mind. That's the centered mind. But why not live like that without the blurriness? <laughs> you see, our thoughts are going like this, guys. Look, boom, 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 boom. These are our thought streams, right? Right here, you're thinking about what happened to you when you were 13. Here, you're thinking about your meeting next Thursday. Here, you're thinking about um, if, you're, if you want to get a new puppy or not. Here, you're thinking about what you're going to make for dinner. And here you're thinking about how much you hate your dad. And it all happens in 10 minutes. And it's like, bing, 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 bing. You go from this thought to that thought. And you're just, shoo, shoo, shoo. Completely in a dreamlike state. Walking around. You're actually walking around. All right? Guess what? You want to be here, 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 here. You want to live in between your thoughts because there's a little gap. And if you start paying attention, you'll notice the gaps. Between thinking about what happened to you at 13 and the big meeting you have next Thursday, there was two, three, four, maybe even seven, ten seconds of space. There was nothingness. But you ran right over it. You weren't even paying attention. Because you're hypnotized. So when you start cleaning this, you can reach that state on a permanent basis. So now your thoughts are only for practical use. How many of you have taken a shower for 15 minutes, you get out, you didn't even know you took a shower except for the fact you're wet? Because you're dreaming the whole time. You're thinking about what happened when you were 13 in the meeting next Thursday. You're not even realizing you're doing all this. You're, you're in a dreamland. You're asleep. Good. You're asleep. What about when you're driving? You drive to work every day the same route. You dream your way all the way there. And it's so automatic that you hit every stop sign, you follow all the rules, but you're in automation. Automation mode. Automation mode. You're not even really thinking. But if you stop and you start doing the centered mind, and you start, okay, here comes the stop sign. One, two, okay, I'm going to take a left. Okay, there comes a car. Okay, I'll go this way. <laughs> Just these little exercises will start snapping you out of it. You're taking a shower. I'm washing my left arm. I'm washing my left arm. 
actually be conscious of the water hitting your body. It's actually a decent experience, you know. In ancient times, people would, you know, have a lot of gratitude for a decent shower. And you get it two times a day if you want. Centered mind is the anchor to the whole thing. So you're not just... Number two is the conscious eye. Conscious eye is the observer. That's what's going to pay attention to this. The conscious eye, so you can imagine there's a third eye, has nothing to do with your five senses, it's just straight up feeling and vibrations. Sometimes we call that intuition, gut feeling, right? Right? I'm not going to go down that alley. I got a gut feeling. You start using your conscious eye to start looking at your thoughts. You start looking at your thoughts. Don't judge them. Don't judge them. Don't get mad at yourself when you start thinking about having a fake conversation with someone. You know you do it. <laughs> you know you do it. You know you do it. You're getting dressed and you're actually pretending in your head that you're talking to someone. <laughs> and maybe it's the meeting you have next Thursday, like you're practicing the conversation. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that. You can visualize exactly what they look like, the whole nine yards. It's very, the mind is very powerful. Observe with your conscious eye and say, whoa, I'm dreaming again. Come back to the center mind. That's it. It's like redirecting a five-year-old. No, 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 don't do that. Why don't you go play over there? That's all. Anyone ever redirect a five-year-old? Simple. It's simple. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Please, just go over here. Yeah, you want to play over there? Yeah, use your cramps. Over here. You're doing the same thing. Your conscious eye is like the parent of your mind. Just start observing what's going on. Observe your thoughts. Some of them might be twisted. Like, whoa. But if you're paying attention today, then you know that this is all from all the engineering, all the programming you've had. Since you were a little kid, the television, and now the little kid, they got the social media. You're just being programmed. <coughs> of course you're going to have these thoughts. You've been watching violence your whole life. One of my favorite movies when I was a teenager was Die Hard. You remember Die Hard? You know how violent that movie is? And Michael Jackson thriller scared the snot out of me. Three years old, whatever it was. Scared the snot. You, you think this just goes away? This doesn't go away. This stays in our subconscious. You've been watching violence your whole life. These doctor shows, these police shows, is there anything positive? You got the rapists. You got the serial killers. You got the malpractice cases. You're just, it's just building up. And then you go to the movies. Even the, uh, 
Even the Marvel movies that are so popular, the most famous movies of all time now at this point, all of them, kids love them. But it's all based on violence, yes or no? Okay? And who doesn't want to see Thor versus Hulk? I mean, it's a good matchup. But it's violent. And what do the kids do out in the backyard? Ah, I'm Hulk! Ah. I'm Thor! Ah. And then the ego kicks in. I wanted to be Thor. Why are you Thor? Because I'm older than you. Here's the big one, my favorite. Confinement. What's the first thing you think of when you think of the word confinement? Jail. I want you all to go to jail. Isn't it interesting to you? How many times did Gandhi go to jail? 11, 12, 13? He just kept going back. That's how he fought the British. Throw me in jail. Kept going to jail. Why is that? He was a spiritual man. Jail didn't bother him. <laughs> Throw me in the hole. Who cares? Here's the problem. We, when I say we, I don't even mean America. Westerners. Westerners. UK, Canada, us. We have a different culture than the East. <coughs> They're used to a confinement. We can't even sit still. We can't even sit still. So much so that if you're a prisoner and you act up, they put you in the hole. And people go nuts in the hole. Just this dark black room with no one to talk to. Oh my God, please, no, don't throw me in the hole. It was my fault. I... And then we do the same thing to our kids. Go on timeout. Go timeout right now. Go timeout. What's the kid doing timeout? He goes nuts. I don't have anything to do. I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? I can't play with my crayons. I can't, I can't be Thor. <laughs> can't throw an Eastern kid in timeout. Can't throw a little Indian kid in timeout. Go there and start levitating or something. <laughs> Oh, God, he should be like Gandhi. All right, I'm going to time out. <laughs> but this is what we do in Western culture. This is what we do because we're, we're so wrapped up in all this. Confinement. This is what I'm talking about with learning how to die. You have to learn how to be alone. You have to learn how to be alone. One. Alone. One. One. All. All. One. All. One. Alone. You have to learn how to be alone. <sighs> we don't know how to do that. One of my teachers used to say that when he was going through a spiritual journey, he used to lay in his bedroom and look at the ceiling fan for hours and hours and just watch it. <laughs> Done that. <laughs> People, the average person isn't going to do that. The average person is going to whip out their phone, 
right? Put on the TV. I see this with a lot of older folks. They watch a lot of TV, and they're not really on the on-demand stuff. They're, they still, they're still on the commercials. And the commercial comes, and they get antsy. They get antsy, they start yawning, start whistling, can't handle the commercial. Then the show comes back on. <laughs> Don't know how to be alone. Don't know how to be one. One. So you can do this right now. You don't have to go to an ashram. You don't have to go to a retreat, although it's recommended. That's what I did. And you can go to the library. It's quiet there. All the time, it's quiet there. You can go to the library, turn your phone off, and just sit there for four hours. Give it a shot. See what happens. Watch your mind run you crazy. It's, all, it's like a detox. It's like you're detoxing your mind. Your mind is going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's like you're on a ledge and you don't want to look down. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't want to look down. Oh my gosh, I'm alone. What do I do? What do I do? This is where meditation comes in. Remember, I said breathing is what connects inner and outer. It's the breathing. So you use your conscious eye to get back to the breathing, preferably through your nose, unless it's stuffy, but <laughs> through your nose, and you take big, long breaths, four, five, six seconds each, and you just pay attention to your breath, and the thoughts will start to go away. And the more you do it, the more you do it, the more you'll start cleaning because you'll get into that inner self and you'll be like, ooh, I, fee I see, I see, I see, okay, okay, okay. And when your thoughts stop, in India, this is called samadhi. In Japan, it's called satori. In Western civilization, it's got no name because nobody practices it. <laughs> it's, called, it's called crazy. It's called, you know, you're nuts. You need to see a therapist because you're not normal because that's how they've structured it. So confinement is really important. You've got to be alone. You've got to be by yourself. You can't be with your husband all the time. You can't be with your wife all the time. You can't be with your kids all the time. You can't be with your friends all the time. You have to be alone. You can work this into your lifestyle. You can you know, tell your husband, tell your wife, hey, I'm going into solitary confinement today. <laughs> what? What the heck are you talking about? Yep. And in this confinement, you don't talk. Don't talk. That's why people go on silent retreats. If somebody asks you a question, then you answer them. But for the most part, don't talk. Just shut up. Confinement. <coughs> Next one. Catharsis. Anyone know what that means? Catharsis is like a detox, a cleansing of your emotions. One of the best ways to have catharsis is laughing, 
you know, you, you laugh hysterically and you start crying. That's repression. That's repression. There might be some anger there or some sadness there that's actually coming out. And your laughter just went down so deep that it sort of lifted it up. Because we repress our feelings, right? Remember earlier I said, if you repress anger, it turns into resentment. And now you resent somebody, and now you treat them differently. And now you treat them differently instead of accepting who they are. Which is, in most cases, unawake. That's what we're talking about here. Awake, unawake. Awake, unawake. Catharsis. Punching your pillow. Something simple like that. You got a lot of anger? Kick the snot out of your pillow. Why not? But you know what the key to catharsis is? When you're done, you have to meditate. That's the key. Raise your heart rate with whatever it is, laughing, hitting a punching bag, whatever it is. Get, that, get it out and then meditate. Be alone and watch your thoughts. This is a technique so that you can start dissolving all this anger and fear and envy and greed that you have in you, you can start cleansing that out. Here's one you're not going to like. There's seven of, seven of them, by the way. And they all begin with C. Clean living. Ooh, this is tough. This is tough. Let's start with food. Start with food. If you want to eat garbage, guess what's going to happen? It's scientific, scientifically impossible for you to eliminate all of it. You're, it's going to cake up inside of you. That's how it works. You want to eat the fried chicken, you want to eat the pizza, you want to eat the ice cream, you want to eat the Skittles, the Snickers, or whatever it is. You can't possibly expect to digest it perfectly. You can't. You can digest apples, pineapple, but so what happens? What you don't eliminate, you accumulate. This is all in the books that I've written over the last 10 years, and boom, now you got blockages. And it doesn't have to, when people think of blockages, they think of heart, right? There's all sorts of blockages. You have blockages in your intestines, you can have blockages. We have a lymphatic system that runs through us, so you can have blockages anywhere. You can have a blockage right here. You can, and, and then what happens? Now, we come down with some sort of chronic illness, some sort of pain. And what happens when we have chronic illness and pain? The fear goes through the roof. The anger goes through the roof. The envy, not for everyone, but some people, the envy goes through the roof because, because now it's a woe is me. Why are they healthy, but I'm not? Why are they healthy, and I'm not? That's, this sucks. Woe is me. Woe is me. So we have to watch what we eat. We have to eat clean, is what the saying is. We need to eat clean so that we don't end up sick. I'll move on from that because that's a whole seminar, a whole book, and it's already been done. Two, 
Your forms of entertainment need to be clean. And this is what people don't like. Is people get mad at me and they're like, you're taking my life away from me. What do you mean I can't watch Die Hard? You want to watch these reality shows? You want to watch this, all this violence? It's not going to, you have to ask yourself, is this serving me well? Ask yourself before you watch whatever, is this serving me well? I mean, at least you can get some cool stuff out of Forrest Gump. <laughs> or Life is Pie. You ever see Life, is, uh, Life of Pie? I love that movie. You can get some stuff out of that. What the hell are you going to get out of Die Hard? What? 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 What, what are you going to get? What are you going to get out of a Michael Myers movie that comes out? What? coming. It never even dies, man. It's not even right. They're going to make another sequel. It's like one Jaws was enough. You know? Ask yourself, is this serving me well? When you're going through your Instagram page, is this serving me well? Who do you follow? Are you following positive people or are you following nonsense? There's a lot of nonsense on social media, right? Fights. You can watch fights, right? You can watch people doing, you know, twerking contests, you know? <laughs> I did it a little bit. You can, you can watch. <laughs> There's all sorts of nonsense that you can watch. Is it serving you well? You know? You got to really... Look at this in the mirror. And here's the one that people really, really don't like. Music. Ah, oh, people are so attached to their music. It's the same concept. Is this serving me well, or is this stimulating my ego? One of the coolest moments I've ever seen. I like to watch the Joe Rogan show every now and again. He's got some really cool guests that come on. He had Mike Tyson on a few months ago. And... God bless him. I've never seen a celebrity do a 180 like this guy. I mean, this guy was a, a, a monster, and he's just, he's just lovable now. You know what I mean? He's just turned his life around, Mike Tyson, completely. And Joe Rogan was talking about all the boxing. And, you know, you watched Mike. He knocked people out big time. Watch the replays. It's heavy stuff. And Mike told him, I don't want to talk about it why don't you want to talk about him? Mike, he goes, it stimulates my ego. <laughs> I was like, ooh, 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 ooh. It was an ooh alert. I was like, ooh, ooh. I paused it. Ooh. I started talking to the screen. Mike, Mike, you're on it, Mike. <laughs> he was knocking grown men out for a living in two rounds. And not just like some, he was knocking people through the ropes. Nobody's ever seen anything like it took over the 80s, became one of the biggest celebrities of all time. I don't want to watch that. It stimulates my ego. This is what music and, and stuff like this does. It puts the imaginary battery in your back. It lifts you up. Want to work out? Listen to Eye of the Tiger. 
eye the tiger comes on, you're like, all right, I can do some more squats. Right? I can run a little further. It really gets you, really gravitates to you. You want to feel successful and blinged out? Listen to some Jay-Z. Listen to some Rick Ross. You'll feel successful, and you're not even really successful. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Isn't that weird? You're listening to music about Maybox. You've never been in no Maybox. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> Talking about $50,000 chains. You don't even, you got a $50 watch. If you're lucky. So, this stimulates the ego. Stimulates the ego. Even something like Bon Jovi living on a prayer. What this is like the, the hope anthem. I can make it. I can be somebody. It's stimulating your ego. It's making you think something. It's making you think something. Because when the song's over, what happens? Back to life. Back to life. Whoa, living on a prayer. Shake my hand. Take my hand. I'll make it out of swear. <laughs> they even play that song at weddings now. I mean, music stimulates us. How about some Beethoven? But what's stimulating us? It's the lyrics. It's not the music, it's the lyrics. It's the lyrics. Switch it up. Start listening to music with no lyrics. Try out some Paul Horn. Paul Horn. Homework assignment. Paul Horn. If you got Apple Music or Amazon Music, you find him right now. He makes brilliant music. There's nothing more spiritual than a flute. Nothing. Nothing. I'm telling you. Listen to a beautiful flute on a nice day at the park or in your backyard, watch what happens. And then listen to Bon Jovi and then see the difference. Listen to that flute. Flutes. You want flutes. You want pianos. You want violins. These are the vibrations that you want going in your ears. Not some trap music. <laughs> you see it on Instagram and Facebook. Somebody puts on the trap music and you see the pep in their step, right? <laughs> the bravado comes out and they're just like, right? Right? Go to the club, okay? Some of you may look like the odd person because you're older, but go to the club and watch the watch. You'll see the egos on the dance floor. It's just like, it's like you're, they're living the music. <laughs> it's not real. Fake. It's fake. It's fake. We've been trained to be actors. We've been trained to be actors. There's this story about a man and a monkey, and they went to the moon. <laughs> the man and the monkey went to the moon. And the monkey opened up his directions, and it said, fuel the jet pick up samples from the moon. You know, it had a long list of stuff to do for research. The monkey. 
Then the man opened up his, and his only instruction was feed the monkey. We're all a bunch of monkeys just playing along because they learned how to stimulate our egos. You know? Now they can take anything away from you and you'll be devastated just like the, the Kim Kardashian example from before. Clean living, man. Watch what you're listening to. Watch. When I say watch, I'm talking about the conscious eye, the watcher. The observer, watch. Start observing how this is making you feel. You didn't know that it was doing something to you, but now I'm telling you that it's doing something to you. So you can practice this tonight. You can practice this tomorrow. You're going to start realizing things. Half of you and the other half are just going to say, he's nuts. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. But I went down the rabbit hole, so you don't have to. Number six, charity. Charity. How, how else are we going to clean this greed up? I challenge everyone in this room tonight to go on GoFundMe.com and give 20 bucks to someone you don't know. You can't know them. It's the rule. Pick some random person. Their house burnt down. They have cancer. Just pick someone. Wire them 20 bucks. I dare you. We've got to start giving back. And it's not just money, because some of us don't have the money to give all the time. It's with deeds. It's with deeds. And don't expect anything in return. Just start giving. There's tons of nonprofit organizations. Well, we have one. Find one that resonates with you and volunteer. For me, I found, um, I found the hospice care. I wanted to go work with the dying people. Why? Because I wanted to get closer to death. I wanted to help them out. They're bored. They're bored. So there's something, maybe it's animals, maybe it's, you know, homeless people, whatever it is for you, go volunteer. Call up. Give some money, volunteer, do something. A lot of the rich people will give the money, but they won't, they won't actually do anything, you know? Last but not least is the most simplest. Code, code of ethics, pretty simple, Ten Commandment type stuff. Don't kill, don't steal, that type of stuff. If you do, you'll end up feeling guilty unless you're a psychopath. But if you're a psycho or a sociopath, then you're never going to get this. You're never going to get the compassion flower. So... Seven C's to clean. Centered mind, conscious eye, confinement, catharsis, clean living, charity, and code, code of ethics. Start doing all seven. It's a lifestyle change. I don't know any other way to say it. It's like, um, 
you know, if you wanted to get ripped abs, you'd have to change your lifestyle. You'd have to get in the gym or do the Herschel Walker in your living room. You'd have to change your diet. You'd have to go all in. You'd have to put in the work. This is no different. You've got to put in the work. I know people that put in this work. Quick story. I wish I could tell you the whole story, but we'd be here forever. But when I met my spiritual mentor, it was by accident because he worked at the ashram. He was doing housekeeping. And, but the building that he was in was under construction, so he was in the dorm room. And I was in the dorm room. I was a guest. So it was complete coincidence. And um, so I realized that he was different right away. I smelt flowers. And from my readings and my studies, I was like, something's up. I, I got to ask questions. I'm going to ask questions. And the first night, I woke up. As the sun's coming up, I'm like, oh, first of all, I'm not used to sleeping in a room with a grown man 10 feet away. So naturally, you're just kind of like, what's that? <laughs> and he was getting up, and he walked out. And I look outside, I'm like, man, the sun's just coming up. What the? Later on that day, question. Later on that day, I said, where, where are you going so early with the sun coming up? He goes, oh. Well, I, I go do my meditation and my prayers. I go, well, what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? He goes, oh, I do it when the sun comes up. I go, oh, but you were gone for a while. He goes, well, it takes about four hours. I go, what? What? I go, what happens if you have something to do or you're really tired or you went to bed late? He goes, and I come back and go back to sleep. What? what are you, who are you? <laughs> Who are you? This is like men in black. I'm like, who are you? I almost tried to rip his face off. Who are you? I've never seen nothing like that in my life. Didn't know his age. <laughs> Everyone in here knows their age, right? Didn't know his age. Didn't know his age. I started asking questions. He starts taking me down the rabbit hole. Doesn't offer any information. Only if I ask. Seek and you shall find. Because the real ones don't come up here and teach like I am right now. <laughs> the real ones, they don't teach. You got to find them. And when you do, you better ask a lot of questions. They, they're not, you're not, you're not going to find them at your random Walmart. Like, this is like under 1% of the population of people walking around that are in this world, but they're not of this world. They're not caught in this world. They're like the holy man from the story at the beginning of the seminar. You can put them anywhere, and they'll be fine. You could put them on the street as a homeless person, or you can put them in a castle. They're going to be all right. No anxiety, no fear, no nothing. Because they're one. It's called oneness. So when you take the inner life and the outer life, and you get them in balance through the breathing, this is called oneness. And now you can go on with your life, and you can experience everything that there is to experience but it's not everything because the inner life at the end of the day is more important than the outer life. 
the outer life is just a game. This is just a game. You're playing Monopoly, you're collecting some money, you're driving around in your car, you know, eating some food, having a little sex, you know, stuff like that. Just living your life, doing some things. I'm doing some things. Until I die, I'm doing some things. I'm just doing some things. And you got to come back and get into that inner life. You got to make time, which is not real, but you got to make time for yourself to go into confinement, to meditate. Meditation is a bridge. <laughs> meditation is a bridge. It gets you from here to here. So it might take you two, three, four years with a meditation practice, but once you reach the peak, you don't even need to meditate anymore because now you're actually living it. See, meditation is not what people make it out to be. People make it out to be, they've monetized it. You know, I'll teach you how to meditate and you do it 20 minutes a day. And yeah, you can do it 20 minutes a day and yeah, it is good for you, right? It's great stress relief, it's great. But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Meditation is the staircase the gateway that gets you from inner to outer. You ha it's all about your breathing. If your breathing stops, you stop. So this is how you go inwards, is with your breathing and focusing with your conscious eye and just observing everything and getting to where you need to go. We have to do this. If you don't, first of all, humanity is going down the tubes. I know we've been saying it for years. It's like, the, when's the apocalypse coming? You know, it's like, when's this thing going to happen? You know, but you know, it doesn't need to happen because we're, uh, we're, we're, we're getting worse. And there's, there's too many people. I don't, know, I don't know any blunt way to put it. Like, I, I don't know any, any way to put it. There's seven and a half billion now? What was it 10 years ago? Right? And this is why the vegan movement is taking over. This is why fake meat is taking over. I just bought some stock actually in it. <laughs> this is why it's taking off because there's no way to sustain human beings. There's, not, there's no way. There's no way. They have, they're going to have to make fake food. There's no, there's no way. There's no way to do it. Because 7.5 billion is going to turn to 10 billion in a second. Because we don't, we don't, this birth control thing isn't part of our language. We don't, <laughs> we don't know what it is. We just keep multiplying and multiplying. And in China, they even have a law. You can only have two kids. You have three kids, you're going to get in trouble. Here, you can have 17 kids. It's okay. One for every day of the week. We can't be, there's too many people. So what's happening is you're seeing violence. We're starting to see school shootings. Okay, this isn't something that happened 20 years ago. This is like a once, twice a year thing. And now it's all the time. So, you know, we're, we're violent because we've been programmed to be violent. We're scared because we've been programmed to be scared. We're greedy because we've been programmed to be greedy. It's all programming, right? Because Tony the Tiger, 
Bless you. Tony the Tiger and the Keebler Elf isn't for us. It's for the little ones, right? It's just, they, they just go... They just bluntly go after the kids like we're going to cause a whole new generation of nonsense. And that's why we're, you know, doing the, the new Eat the Sunlight with, with Sunlight Sunny and everything is like trying to reprogram the kids into more fruits and vegetables and stuff like that. And we have a character named Mr. Junkerson and he represents kind of the evil corporate, you know. So, and it's, but it's not just food. It's, it's, it's everything. It's, it's the... The environment, um, the gases that are going up uh, into the atmosphere. So anyway, this works. I don't know how long it'll take you. Could take you three months, could take you three years. You just have to be patient with it. You have to understand that your mind is going to mess with you because you've never, you may have never tested it before. And your ego is scared of the present moment. Your ego does not like the present moment. Your ego is going to be like, what are you doing? What, 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 what are you doing? Don't do that. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't change. Are you out of your mind? It's like the little devil on the shoulder analogy, you know? Don't do that. So it could take you three years. could take you three months. It can work for you. It doesn't matter if you're religious. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist. It, it, there, there's no belief in this. There's no belief in this. This is as simple as hearing that pen drop on the floor. It's as simple as that. You heard it. It happened. You saw it. It happened. That means it's truth, right? Everyone saw it. Everyone's a witness. You saw it with your conscious eye. It happened. Tell everyone. He threw a marker. <laughs> it was the truth. Because that's the real truth. That's why Zen masters have a stick. When you're not paying attention, they whack you with it. They whack you with it. Kick you back to reality. So, it's a lot to digest. It's a lot to digest. Your drive home is going to be weird. going to be weird. No trap, music. no trap music. You're going to be in the car like <laughs> driving like an 87 Toyota listening to Maybach music. So it's at this time I would like to uh, open up any Q&A that you may have. I know it's a lot. <laughs> I know it's a lot. So please. Feel free to take this time. Who's the first victim? Hi. Pineapple juice for the working man. Um, so for someone who's just getting started, if this is all new, never heard before, what would be the first Like what would you recommend the first step be? The first step, the first step is to um, Start training yourself for meditation. Even if you're just sitting down, you're going to sit down and you're not going to be able to control your mind. Okay? Your mind's going to go crazy. But you want to start getting in the habit of sitting down and doing it. You can also lay in bed and do it. So when you wake up in the morning, 
what an opportunity, right there, right there. Turn over onto your back, put one hand on your stomach so you can feel your breath, and just start paying attention to, to your breath. That would, be, that would be a good first step. And do that for 15, 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. You said breathing is the connection between the two worlds, right? Yeah. Are there any particular breathing techniques you recommend that people could start off with? Like possibly, you know, how, how long to hold in the breath. You said mm. breathe through your nose. Yeah. But is there any particular, like, beginner breathing techniques you could show people? Yeah. Really yeah, we're definitely not going to jump in the kundalini. But, uh, hmm. Yeah. If your nose isn't stuffy, you stick with your nose. Do about five seconds each. In for five, out for five. You can also visualize, you can visualize a golden light going in and black smoke going out. And start visualizing that and that will, that will take your mind away from your thoughts. So the breathing is really simple. Four, five, six seconds in. Four, five, six seconds out. Visualize the light coming in and out. And start, just start going to town. Just start getting there, yeah. I mean, there's lots of breathing techniques, but. But also, I'm glad you brought that up, but also in your daily life. If you're walking down the street, pay attention to your breathing. If you're walking up the stairs, pay attention to your breathing. Pay attention to your breathing at all times. So you don't pay attention to your breathing. You don't pay attention to your breathing because it's so normal. So just when you're walking, you don't want to do four or five seconds when you're walking, but pay attention to it. In, out, in, out. If you're not talking to someone or you're not, you don't have to pay attention to something specific, there's no reason why you can't just pay attention to your breath. So you can practice this by going on walks. Just start, you know, it's nice out. Just start going on walks and focus on your breathing and, and your mind. It's called meditative walking. It's a, it's a Zen tradition, you know? That's, a, that's their big thing is walking and, and tea, sipping tea. You know, be very conscious when you're drinking your tea or coffee. Just be conscious. Be conscious of it. Because right now we're, we're, we're asleep. Because they're asleep. So we're like annoyed of the fact that we go out to dinner, go somewhere, have family get together, yeah. and we're the aliens yeah. because yeah. we're in this sort of state of mind yeah. and we're now so sensitive yeah. to everyone else of what we used to be like. Yeah. And it sort of yeah. just freaks us out. Yeah. It's a legit concern. Let me know when you figure it out. <laughs> well, Yet, no, I would say no because you have to get used to it. You have to go right into the fire. You got to be around unconscious people. You got to be around people that are asleep all the time, even though it's an irritant, so that you can get over it being an irritant all the time. Like my mentor, you know, it, 
It doesn't matter. He can be around anyone. So, you, you, yeah, you just you have to master it, and you know that's where compassion comes in, and just having compassion for them, because they, you know, they, they're not there yet, and even if you told them how to get there, they they don't they probably they may not want to hear it. So people in this room, you know, be more open to it because that's what they came here for. I know. So I hope that answers it as best as possible. But you, you, you got to be the outcast. I, I, I told, you know, even with the food and helping people change their diets, I always tell clients that you got to be a unicorn. Just be the unicorn, wear it proudly, wear the horn proudly, and eventually the horses may want to grow a horn too. Don't criticize them at all, not even in your head. Don't judge people. Don't judge them even in your head. And just, just go about your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when you were talking about the music, that's like a big, big one for me. And yeah. I feel like music it makes me happy and joyful. So right. even when you talk about Bon Jovi or anyone who is word, mm. how is that joy different than the joy in the flower? Mm. The joy in the flower happens no matter what. Okay. Whereas the music or the TV show. It's a stimulant. Okay. It's kind of like food. Like, right? If you ate a Snickers bar, you'd be like, mmm, mmm, you know? <laughs> so it's a stimulant. So Bon Jovi is going to make you go like this. You know? Yeah. But if you can be, look, if you can get in your car, go for a ride with no music, and you're joyful, you're, you're getting there. You don't, don't put on the stimulant, you know, unless it's some flutes, <laughs> some flutes and some pianos. But also, I want to say, too, that some music's good. If you pick music that's more celebratory, like Pharrell, celebrate Pharrell's happy song or the Bee Gees staying alive, something that's like, something that's like really... It's still a stimulant. It's still a stimulant, but it's good for celebration purposes because there's nothing wrong with dancing and, and having fun. Celebration is important. It's part of outer life. Celebration is important. So, you know, it's just we don't want to celebrate with junk. We don't want to celebrate with, you know, I remember when I used to be a pothead. I always wanted to smoke after I succeeded in something. So, you know, I did something good, I was roll blunt. They used to be called the victory blunts. Victory blunts! So it's just, it's a stimulant to, you know, but really, if you, if you got these flowers, you can, you're going to naturally celebrate without anything, without anything needed. I saw a hand. Uh, you kind of touched on it with aging and the hour stuff. What are your thoughts on Pain? Yeah. Pain's great. You mean like 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 if your knee is throbbing pain? Yeah, so you're you're getting older, you're 80, everything works on. Yeah. But that's your outer Yes. Conscious eye. With the conscious eye, you can scan your body and you can focus on the pain 
and you can actually remove yourself from the pain. One of my teachers had a root canal. He had a root canal, and, and then he had a few other teeth taken out just to have them taken out. And he just, you know, you feel the pain, but you're not of the pain. So you can actually almost, I don't want to get too, you, you can actually sort of separate yourself and look at the pain. It still hurts, but you're, you're not part of it. You're not part of it. It's really hard to explain without getting like too esoteric and having people run right now. You know? <laughs> you know, it's a little astral type stuff. Yes, I'm sorry, yes. It's a lot. Uh, no. It, it, it's Were the metaphors okay? Yeah. Okay. Of, I don't know how to. A lot of the things that you're saying are part of something that I do because yeah. of something that I did. And um, I was meditating, and for some reason, something just took me off there. Yeah. I can't separate pain yet. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you have to remove yourself from people. Yeah. It's like, my, my analogy is, it's like sitting next to someone that's smoking a cigar and it's bothering you. So you have to get up and remove yourself. But instead of but you don't have to say, hey, you shouldn't be smoking that cigar, buddy. Or you shouldn't be smoking in here and it's bad for you and blah, 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 blah. Instead, you just get up and move. No. Right. What you gotta remember. Yes. Quit smoking. That doesn't mean everybody else does. So you gotta remember all that. Acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. You have to accept people for who they are, not for who you want them. And you have to. Not only do you have to accept them for who they are, you have to accept them for where they're at in their journey. Yes. Most definitely. So I'm very different now than I was when I was 29. You know what I mean? So it it and you know hopefully I'll be. You know, the journey will continue when I'm 49, 50. So it's, it just progresses. For some reason, it, it seems to go in decades. You know, that's like the, your 20s, you just, you're just allowed to screw up on everything. You just spend your 20s just doing whatever. And then live your best life. But 30 is, woof. 30 is like, 30 is a game changer. And it's time to get serious. Uh, I just wish that people knew that it's time to get serious with their inner life instead of all this outer life stuff. I need a job. I need a new car. Find a woman that's 30 or 40 who's unmarried with no kids. I guarantee you she's, there's some sort of depression there. 
because she's been programmed to be married with kids. So now she's an outcast. And you know, the, the, the parents or the, the aunts at the picnic, they're like, why aren't you married yet? You're so nice, you're so cute. I get, I get this at my picnics. Why aren't you married? Why aren't you married, Kevin? Why aren't you married? I said, I'm too young to be married. Way too young to be married. About to be 40. <laughs> and that's a good word, the game, the game. In fact, in India, they call it the Leela. The Leela, it means the game, the play. The Leela. And we're just playing in a game. It's like we're playing Monopoly. Play in the game. Make some money. Like I said, make some money. Make some friends. Play in the game. The Leela. It's called the Leela. And this is, this is, and this is, um, so I invented the metaphors and the analogies, but the, 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 the teachings, this is all ancient. I didn't invent it. This is all Eastern. There ain't nothing Western here. You can't get anything Western. You can't. You can't. You know, you can go to church and, or temple every Sunday for your whole life and still be miserable. Okay, you can, you can praise whoever you want, as much as you want. It don't mean you're living a great life. Because it's not going inward. You're going outward. You're going outward. You're not going inward. So, <laughs> it's a really touchy subject for a lot of people. But, The Eastern people, they, they got it down pat. They don't have as much money as we have. They have way more poverty. They have, you know, it's, it's not a great place to live. But India is the holiest place in the world. You could find gurus everywhere. Everywhere. You walk down the street. And there's some guy, just like the guy in the story I told you about, when I started the seminar with, the holy man with one sheet of cloth. And he's just sitting there with a bowl. And that's how he lives his life. They're all over the place. Here, we call them homeless, hobos, things like this. But in the Eastern tradition, they're there. That's why so many Westerners go to India. Throughout the 60s and 70s, this is how Ram Das, who was Richard Alpert, a PhD from Harvard, he went to India. He met his guru, took the teachings back, taught a bunch of people for 30 years. He's still one of the bigger teachers. His name is Ram Das now. Ram Das, because a guru gives you a new name, because you're reborn, you're, you know, it's your new life. There's tons of guys that they go to India, they learn all this ancient stuff, and then they come back. Japan, too. Japan, too. Japan. Japan's a big one, too. Zen, 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 zen. 
Zen is big in Japan. Zen started in India, then it went to China, and then it went to Japan and kind of made a home there. And now it's here. We have a Zen center in New Haven. Zen is here. We have Zen centers. We have their Zen masters. You got Caucasian Westerners that are Zen masters. It's like things are fl you know, flipping around a little bit because anybody can teach it. It's all there. And it's ancient. It's ancient. We're talking five, six, ten thousand years ago. Ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, Jerusalem, it's all there. Iraq. Iraq had a man named Zarathustra. He was like the first popular guru, the first popular master. In Iraq, before it was even called Iraq, it was called Babylon. Zarathustra, look him up. He's a good one. Long before Jesus, long before Buddha, long before Lao Tzu, long before all these guys. This is amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. And then you have the body, which is like a universe, right? How many systems we have in the body? Twelve. How many months in a year? How many signs? How many disciples? Well, is there a clock in here? Is there a clock in here? No. Most clocks are circle, right? Disciples, break that up. Disc, disc, D-I-S-C, disc, disc. Clock, how many numbers on the clock? How old was Jesus when he died? How many vertebrae in your back? How many years did, was, uh, King, did King David rule? 33. <laughs> There's all these. Seven. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> she ain't lying she ain't lying you definitely don't live in China you would go to jail Griselle they would take you to jail if you confinement you'd be like Gandhi in there think about that Gandhi went to jail that many times because it didn't bother him. <laughs> if we got thrown in jail, we would, we'd be kicking and screaming. They'd throw us in the jail. We'd be pacing around, you know, scared out of our mind, you know. He just went and meditated, you know. <laughs> you know, just another day, you know. <coughs> anyway, any other questions? Dr. Reese, it's my reborn name. <laughs> yeah, my name used to be K-Dub. 
And then I was reborn as Dr. Reeves. I don't have one. I probably wouldn't want one. Um, I'd love to go to India one day, but I wouldn't need uh, a guru or a master because I already found all that. So I'm very fortunate in that manner. So I can remain being Kevin. Otherwise, it'd be a weird, I'd, yeah, come back with a weird name. I wouldn't be wearing a, ja a suit jacket. I'd be wearing something, something Eastern. Yeah, I'm just trying to blend in. Any other questions? I know it's getting late. I have no idea what time it is. But time's an illusion, you know. <laughs> you know that, right? My friend wants to wear a car, and I don't want to get lost. So ah. <laughs> Thank you all for coming. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.